Hey guys, this is Sparky. While I was editing today's episode, I noticed that there were some sound issues that we didn't realize while we were recording. For example, it gets really quiet in some spots, but if I try to amplify it, you hear a lot of weird background noise. We're looking into ways to fix this going forward. I've already downloaded a couple programs that should rectify the problems that we were having but it's not unlistenable. So I do recommend that you listen. The episode is really interesting. Thomas did a lot of really great research, so I hope that you will choose to listen anyway. Enjoy! Creepy Life Podcast, the podcast for all things creepy. I'm Thomas. I'm Sparky. And I'm definitely not laughing. For those listening, she's in a really giggly mood today. This is take three or four. No, this is take 99. Okay, maybe five, actually. If we were in Hollywood, she'd be fired already. Are you kidding me? You watch those bloopers from The Good Place. I do love bloopers. They just sit there and they swear at each other and they laugh and they dance and I'm doing okay, kind of. But they're established actors under contract. So am I. Hmm, yeah. Technically, I'm under contract for a community theater show right now. I'm just saying. Yeah, we both are. What will the world do without their Peter Pan that's almost 6'3"? Right. Anyway, hi. Hi. I want to do a couple shout-outs before we start. Okay. So we've got a couple friends. Well, at least one friend that I found out who listens. Evan, thank you. I love you. It was a surprise because I didn't know that he listened, and then he was telling me about how he listened to the chili episode before he ate chili for dinner, and I was like, I'm so sorry. You know, I wonder how many of our friends actually do listen, because like, we didn't know Alexandra listened for a long time. Until she wrote the review. Wrote the review, yeah. Yeah, I don't know. And they just don't say anything. Yeah, they're just... <laughs> just creeping. They are the dude, the officially creep. our creepers. Yeah. Um, also my boss said she was gonna listen, and one of my co-workers, so shout out to Jesse and Shannon. You guys are awesome. Okay, yeah, I have a co-worker that listens. I'm not gonna give him a shout out because I think he's really behind. Once he catches up and stays up, then he'll deserve a shout out. <laughs> okay. I don't even know if mine are gonna listen, I'm just shouting them out anyway. Yeah, they'll probably listen to the first episode and hear how bad the sound quality is and be like, Ugh. Anyway. Yeah, so. It's. Your turn. It is my turn, because last week you told a story about the creepy penthouse that had all the like mental hospital and regular hospital and stuff in it, and some bizarre occurrences that have happened. Can we talk about the cool thing that Seth found? Oh, yes. Um, our buddy Seth, who we've given shout-outs to in the past, uh, he helps us out with social media and stuff. Usually posts post pictures and stuff on our social medias to kind of show our followers you know, what we're talking about exactly, a little background information. And he searched the address of the penthouse, and he found the thumbnail to our podcast. Whoop, whoop. We're on Google, man. We're on Google. <laughs> it's pretty fancy. It's good times. We're celebrities now. Obviously. So we're now going to start charging to listen to this podcast, about yep. $50 a time. Yeah, right. Uh, 
No. This isn't Comic-Con. Is it really it's that expensive? When you go to Comic-Con, you'll have some people that are, like, really cool. Mm. And, like, I met Michael Rooker, the actor that played Yondu in Guardians of the Galaxy. And I didn't really have a whole lot of money, but I was, I'm was i a fan of his. I liked him on The Walking Dead. I liked him in that. A bunch of other stuff I grew up watching he was in. So I wanted to just go up and say hi. Mm-hmm. And so I did. I ended up talking to him for quite a while. And there was a few others there that I was able to talk to. But the next year, I didn't go to Comic-Con. My cousins did, and they wanted to meet someone that was in some show they watched or something. Could not even approach unless they were willing to pay for anything, and everything was like 60 bucks. Gross. Yeah. I don't understand it when people are like that. Like, yeah. you're already rolling in dough. Yeah, I mean, they get paid for being there, plus they get a percentage of all the like autographs and stuff. So they're making good money just being there. I mean, there's a lot of actors that, you know, I was in a sci-fi show back in the 60s, 70s, and now I support myself just traveling to Comic-Cons and posing for photos and things. Which is so, like, crazy to me that people can make an entire living off of a show they did 60 years ago. Yeah, but it's just kind of cool. I mean, my mom, she was born in the 60s. A lot of the shows she watched were from the 60s because her dad really liked it. And when she had me, she introduced me to a lot of the movies and shows that she watched. So it's really cool to... You know, I watch the show, this old black and white sci-fi show. I go to Comic-Con and one of the actors is there. It's it's cool. Yeah. It's a little weird that they make their living by that, but I guess that's a little bit better than a tell-all book that exposes your co-workers for things that they may have not done because now they're dead and can't argue. What book are you talking about? Think about it. Every actor has a tell-all book now. Oh. But I've read some actor biographies mm-hmm. from actors from like in the 40s, and it was something that either they wrote or their spouse wrote after they died, and it made some allegations. And it's like, well, all the people you're talking about are dead, so there's no one you can really verify this with. I don't know. If you've never been to a Comic-Con, I highly recommend it. They are loads of fun. I mean, I don't like crowds at all, but you put a mask on, it's not bad. And I don't mean the mask we have to wear every day now. I mean, a cool mask. Like Jar Jar Binks. Like Jar Jar Binks. <laughs> you know, um, when I was at Comic-Con, what was it, five years ago, um, William Shatner was there. Oh boy, did he and wear a Jar Jar Binks mask? No, but one thing I thought was funny was if you got a photo with someone who had in the photo op station, you would go there and they would have all the photos lined out on a table and you would just find yours and go, right? And William Shatner was charging like 80 bucks per person for a photo with him. And someone was wearing a horse mask, one of those like oversized horse heads in the photo. It's like, really, why would you pay that much be in a picture where you're standing behind him so you have no proof that it was really you at all? I don't get that. I don't either, but... People are weird. Anyway. It was William Shatner. What are you going to talk to me about? I had trouble really deciding on a topic because I wanted to do a cryptid because it's been a while. I know because you were asking me like three or four times what you should do and I gave you options and then you didn't take any of them. No, because I decided to go with this one because um, it's not the longest story and honestly there hasn't been any sightings of it in 40 years, but it's just kind of an interesting story. It's weird. I'm not exactly sure how I feel about it. I've heard a lot of different theories, so I'm not sure which one I lean towards. But some people that I would feel are very reputable, they went to investigate and had some interesting experiences, which I will talk about. All right. Okay. So what are we doing? Yeah, like I said, this was a really hard decision. I considered Momo, the Missouri monster, which would be a fun one. I thought about Injured Cold, but that's more of a, a UFO, whereas I wanted to do more of a cryptid. And we'll find how funny that is afterward. But yeah, there's a, a lot that I considered, and I'm going to be doing them later on. But I settled today with the Enfield Horror, 
or the infield monster. It's not the infield poltergeist, which is on your list. The infield horror was a creature that was encountered for about a year in infield, Illinois in the 70s. Okay. You ever heard of Enfield, Illinois? No. Well, I have a friend that lives in Illinois, and I asked him if he had heard of it, and he had not. Oh, so it's, like, tiny. It's tiny. Um, it's a small village in the southeast part of the state. Cur- Let's whistle. No, thank you. It is a small village in the southeast part of the state. Current population is estimated to be about 556 people. So they're all related. Probably they are all related, but I didn't look up to see if there was like another town that was really close to it because like i grew up in a rural farming community and so we had a a town that had a decent population and then with you know 20 minutes in various directions there was other really small towns yeah at the time of this encounter population was between they only did the census every 10 years so in 1970 it was 760 and in 1980 it was 890 so it was still a fairly small place This bizarre string of events starts in the spring of 1973, starting on April 25th, okay? Okay. So, a young boy named Greg Garrett says he was attacked by a creature while he was playing in his backyard. Oh, I was going to ask beforehand if he was a serial killer because he has two first names. You never know. I couldn't find much on him. Do you know how old he was at the time? All I could find was he was a young boy. A young boy. So. So, according to some people, that could be up to his 20s. Most of what we know about this is what was reported in newspapers. Mm-hmm. And if he was fairly young, the newspaper probably would not have revealed his age. Honestly, I think you're giving a lot of credit to newspapers at the time. He was attacked by a creature while playing in his backyard. He described this creature as having three legs. No less than three legs, which is kind of weird. Like a tripod. It had gray, slimy skin, short claws, and pinkish-red eyes. Cute. Yeah, I mean, I want one of those as a pet. Apparently, it stomped on his feet and his claws shredded the tennis shoes he was wearing. So he freaked out, and he runs into his parents' house. Now, that was the first encounter, but that's not the encounter that got it exposed, I guess. Okay. The encounter that really took off happened 30 minutes later to Greg's neighbor, Henry Mc... So one night? And this was in one night. There's a couple other sightings that happened, uh, you know, days, months, or days or weeks later, but this was 30 minutes later, approximately. Greg's neighbor, Henry McDaniel, was a veteran. Again, another person with pretty much two first names. Mick Daniel. That, that, no, no. Still, I'm going with it. Bunch of serial killers. Uh, he was a veteran and he was an antiques dealer. So I couldn't find much on him. I don't know. You know, this and was. He had people locked in his basement. No. Okay. This is not your true crime stories. This is a monster <laughs> story. It's different. Okay. Yeah. He came face to face with the creature, literally face to face. And this is what. Like I said, brought it to notoriety. At about 9.30 in the evening, according to his story, so since it was said to be about 30 minutes, Greg's encounter was about 8.45 to 9 o'clock. Okay, so at 9.30, uh, the McDaniels got home to find their two kids, Henry Jr. and Lil, just completely freaked out. Mm-hmm. They claimed that something had tried to break through the door as well as get through the window that had a window air conditioner in it while the parents were gone. And it's at this point, while they're explaining to their parents what happened while they were gone... That they hear scratching at the door. So That's horrifying. You know, Henry being a veteran, you know, he's not really afraid. He's convinced it's a stray animal, you mm-hmm. know, trying to try get through. Maybe it's a, a dog that was dumped or something that's just hungry, and the kid's imagination got to him, right? So he very cavalierly walked over to the door and yanked it open, thinking that the, the sudden commotion would spook whatever was out there, right? Wrong. He saw the same creature, and he freaked and slammed the door. 
runs to a closet, grabs a flashlight and a 22 caliber pistol. While the family waited, he returned to the door and he was dead set on defending his family. Okay, so he's got gun in hand. He threw the door open and it wasn't a hallucination like he had hoped. The same thing was standing right there. Later, he described the creature to the police as it had three legs, a short body, two short little arms coming out of its breast area, and two pink eyes as big as flashlights. It stood four and a half feet tall and was grayish colored, and it was trying to get in the house. Okay, I don't know that I like this. Like, really, most cryptid stories are like, oh, I saw them, and then I turned around, and it was gone. Yeah, most... And it's kind of, like, scarier. Most of them is your typical Bigfoot, I saw a shape in the corner of my eye. Yeah, or, like, I saw something, and then a truck passed in front of it, and then when it was passed, nothing was there. Or, you're just driving around a corner, and it's crossing the street. You catch a glimpse that... And then you don't see it in the woods after that. Yeah. yeah. So when you see it, go grab a flashlight, come back, and it's still there. No. I don't like it. So he opens the door. He sees it. He's freaking out a little bit. Really? He opens fire and he hits it. Okay. He says, and I quote, When I fired the first shot, I knew I hit it. But it didn't, like, stumble. Like it had taken a shot or something. It didn't fall dead. It didn't really run away like he expected, you know? I mean, if you have an animal that's right there and you shoot it, it's... If it's not dead, it's going to run away. Mm-hmm. If you've ever seen, like, um, I know you haven't been hunting, but if you've seen, like, in movies or something, when they, you know, like, shoot a deer or something, if it doesn't drop, it runs. That's what he was kind of expecting. Mm-hmm. But instead, it, in his words, hissed like a wildcat. Okay. Yeah. So he shot it a total of four times and was confident that it hit all four times. How was he confident? Was it just because it, it was, was so close? Yeah, it was on his porch, and he was in the doorway. Still, I mean, if I tried to shoot something, I'm pretty blind. We're basically saying he shot this thing four times at point blank. Okay. Well, he's also a veteran, so he knows what he's doing with the gun. And now part of this could be that it was a twenty-two, mm-hmm. and this was a large animal. That it just, it might have had enough damage, but it wasn't enough power to really knock it down. So he claims that it then ran off, covering an area of approximately 50 feet, three leaps. I wish I could do that. But yeah, three leaves, and then it disappeared into the brush along the LNN railroad embankment that was out in the front of his house. He calls the cops, but when the cops show up, it's the, the Illinois State Troopers. They respond to the scene, and the only evidence they can find is a series of scratching on the siding of the house and dog like footprints in the yard. What made the prints unique is that they had six toe pads. And the way they were positioned represented a three-footed animal. So dogs typically have four pads, right? Mm-hmm. And it wasn't just like a dog missing a leg? It didn't um, look like? Well, they described two of the prints as being bigger um, and a third one that was slightly smaller. I mean, it's like the dogs in the old cartoons where their front legs are really buffed up and then their back legs are really tiny. And Still, it's it was about four and a half. He described it as being four and a half to five feet tall. I don't... And then it had a little collar that had two T-Rex arms hanging off of him. (laughs) Okay. Um, That was April. Okay. Okay. Um, Now, about two weeks later, the same guy, Henry McDaniel, was awoken in the middle of the night to hearing neighborhood dogs howling. It's it's a common thing if you have dogs. Yeah. You know, especially if they're outdoor dogs. You'll, you know, a rabbit runs across the yard. They'll start barking at it or howling or, you know, if you live in town and there's a lot of traffic, there's all kinds of things that can trigger that, right? Yeah, but usually there's, like, a reason for it, especially if they're trained. And not everyone has dogs that are trained. I'm just saying. So, I mean, sometimes even family pets, they're more like companions. Mm-hmm. So they don't really 
a lot of people don't really train them. They they have their their space. You know, you go out and you play with them and whatnot. But it's kind of sad though. Don't just leave them outside. Love them. So he gets out of bed. He grabs his gun, which I mean, it's common. You know, there could be. I'm not sure what what type of animals actually existed in the area, but you know, common things like coyotes or you know, various wild cats. Various you know. sasquatches. Yeah, then you got your Sasquatches, your Skunk Apes, no. It's just, it's just kind of common, especially because it sounds like I didn't get an exact location on the house, but it was near a railroad embankment. They did have neighbors, but they weren't, like, super close, so... Thinking, well, yeah, if it's a small town, they're not going to be, like, on top of each other. So I'm assuming this might have been kind of on the edge of town, most likely to first encounters with wildlife, you know? Yeah. Because I know in my hometown, we it was very common we would have coyotes that would get into the town on animal control would have to go after them. The town I grew up in had, like, 3,000 people. Yeah. So he gets out of bed, grabs his gun, and goes to the door to see what's up. He claims that he saw it again. He says, and I quote, I saw something moving out on the railroad track, and there it stood. I didn't shoot at it or anything. It started down the railroad track. It wasn't in a hurry or anything. I'm going to make a prediction. Okay. That now because he's seen it more than once, people think he's crazy. Not exactly. That's when people really start taking more note of it. Because the kid, everything I could find about his story was kind of on the coattails of this one. Because, I mean, it's a little kid that overactive imaginations. It could have been a wild dog. You know, or a stray dog. Yeah. You don't really know. But this is an adult. He's a veteran. He sees this. So people are taking it a little bit more credible. And then he sees it again. And so it wasn't long after they filed the second report. The media got wind of it. Mm -hmm. And it became a media frenzy. And it got so bad that the county sheriff, whose name was Roy Posher Jr., was so bothered by everything going on that he threatened to throw Henry McDaniel in jail because he believed he was inciting mass panic by spreading the story. But even with the threat of going to jail, he didn't stop. I mean, he may not have been as vocal in telling everyone, but he didn't recant his story. That's good. And that usually gives me a little bit... I I feel that they're a little bit more credible Mm -hmm. if they have something like that threatened and they still don't. Like when we talked about the Kelly Hopkinsville encounter, the fact that decades later they still stuck to their story. Mm -hmm. That gives me a little bit more faith that they weren't just making it up. Yeah. Because memories... You know, if you tell a story to a friend and then a week later you try and tell the same story, some of the details are going to be a little wonky. Sometimes. But Unless you've rehearsed it a zillion times, like in true crime, where they are trying to set up an alibi or whatever, and so they memorize what they're going to say. Yeah, but not everyone does that, especially if they're just telling a story. Oh yeah, I saw Bigfoot and it did this. Next time you tell that story, Bigfoot might do something completely different. Did you call him Bigfoot? Bigfoot. Leave my accent alone. But yeah, he stuck to his story, and it wasn't long, and amateur monster hunter showed up. Oh, boy. Yep. That's gonna go well. Patrolling the area with guns. Now, this is um, oh, a, a bit of a bit of trivia about amateur monster hunters and guns. When they were filming The Return of the Jedi in California, it was you know, early 80s. Bigfoot frenzy was still going on. The Patterson-Gimlin film was shot not far from there in 69... Uh, so, Peter Mayhew, the actor that played Chewbacca, had to, when he wasn't filming, he had to wear an orange reflective vest. And when he was filming, you'll notice, he very rarely is in a shot where he's not standing next to one of the other actors. Because they were afraid that someone would mistake him for Bigfoot and shoot him. That's kind of scary. That is horrifying. I wonder if he wore, like, a bulletproof vest underneath the Chewbacca know. fur. Can you imagine how hot that would be just by itself and then put, oh, yeah. like, Kevlar underneath it, too? Yeah, but... Yeah, it's very possible. A lot of people get 
trigger happy. I know. I, what? No, like any time like this. I, I know of people that had, there was a pack of wild dogs that were terrorizing some farmer's cattle. And next thing I know, this buddy of mine, he's like, yeah, my dad got about 10 guys and they went up there and they were pretty much shooting anything that moved. I'm like, that is horrifying. What if there's like a homeless person living in the woods and they just happen to get up and stretch in the middle of the night? a person going on a nighttime hike because they don't have common sense. Yeah. And see, I'm, I'm not anti-gun, but I think you need to be very careful. And before you pull that trigger, you need to be very confident about what's on the other end. Mm-hmm. As well as the proper repercussions if it is a person. And that that's a big thing with monster hoaxes that I don't like. What if you are in a suit, you are trying to punk someone, they have a gun and they shoot you? Yeah. I'd see, like... For me, I would be afraid to have a gun in most situations because, number one, I'm really clumsy. Yes, you are. And number two, I'm really shaky when I try to, like, hold something still, and I don't imagine that would go very well. No, no. Especially, like, if you're trying to aim at... I always think of, like, movies or video games where there's, like, a hostage situation and you have to shoot the bad guy and avoid the hostage, and I always fail at the first <laughs> I always, I always hate those games. Where you have to aim, and you have a, a steadying button. Mm-hmm. Because it always seems like it's really exaggerated how the gun's just kind of going up and down, you know? Until you hit right three. and So these amateur hunters are showing up. A group of five men claimed to encounter the creature. They gave an almost identical description, except for they said it was hairy. They encountered it hiding in some underbrush and opened fire on it. Ooh. But, like with Henry McDaniel's encounter, um, they didn't really hurt it. They just said it bolted off with a speed that an average human couldn't achieve. Especially if if it was a a human in a costume. It probably would have been bulky. So the fact that it could move faster if it was wearing a bulky costume, that would have slowed the person down even more. Okay, so the final eyewitness to really encounter the creature or see it, or eyewitnesses, I should say, was a man, and you'll love this name, Rick Rainbow. Okay, he's not a serial killer. He's probably a drag queen, though. No, he's not. Darn it. He was there with three unidentified men. I couldn't find any names on them. It was probably people that worked with him that were there. Um, He was the news director for WWKI Radio in Kokomo, Indiana. Interesting. They claim to have seen uh, a gray stooping five-foot entity lurking outside of an abandoned house not too far from the Garrett and McDaniels house. And while they didn't really have as close encounter, you know, they saw it at a distance, they did manage to do something that no one else had done. Photograph it? They recorded the oh. sound it makes. But that's the problem. It's not available anywhere? It did not survive. Oh. Now, cryptozoologist Lauren Coleman, who, and I will just say this because a lot of podcasts, when they first mention him, because anytime you do cryptids, he comes up a lot. He's investigated almost all of them, at least in the United States. Mm-hmm. It is a guy. A lot of podcasts I've listened to, the first episode they mention him, they refer to him as her. Or she. His name's Lauren? Because his name is Lauren. It's like it, the name Carol. Yeah. I, I just want to be clear. It is a guy. If you've ever watched... It's a dude. It's a dude. If you watch a lot of Bigfoot documentaries, like there's shows like Finding Bigfoot or um, Monster Quest on History Channel, he's very common. Does he have the crazy hair like most people on History Channel? No. Darn it. No. He's not like Ancient Aliens. But, yeah, him and Dr. Jeff Meldrum from Idaho, they are probably the two that pop up the most when you're looking at cryptids, especially Bigfoot. Cool. Yep. So, I'm guessing it didn't survive because I can't find it anywhere and I can't find anyone recently that claims to have heard it. So, it was recorded on 70s equipment. Wasn't necessarily a huge deal. It was for that area. It was 500 people. Yeah, it was for that area, but it wasn't like a mainstream everyone in the whole world is talking about it. 
Yeah. So I'm guessing it didn't make it through. But when Lauren Coleman, a cryptozoologist, came to investigate, he did hear the recording. He did or did not? He did. Okay. Um, and he also checked out the areas that the encounters happened. About the investigation, he said, I traveled to Enfield, interviewed witnesses, looked at the siding of the house the Enfield monster had damaged, heard some strange screeching banshee-like sounds, and then walked away bewildered. So while he was there, he did hear something that he couldn't identify. Ooh. See, when you say banshee-like noises, I think of two things. I think of Mass Effect, and two and three, at least mm-hmm. three for sure. The uh, Asari like mutilation things i think of x-men and then i think of in wind waker the oh. re-deads that like the way they scream yeah i like it okay yeah and inciting the previous research done by lauren coleman linked the infield incident with a rash of strange sightings of an ape-like creature in other parts of illinois that year believing that it was actually more than one being mm-hmm. hence the one group said they described it as hairy when they saw it up close another described it as being slimy maybe it's like one of those like animals that has lost a bunch of hair or something could have been with mange or something yeah and it's, um skin just looks like it's slimy in some sports it's possible sports I English goodly yes Lauren Coleman and some of his colleagues dubbed the creatures swamp slobs <laughs> yeah. Oh, that was funny. Don't talk about me like that. It's really rude. Um, well, in July of 1974 edition of Fate magazine, mm-hmm. Lauren Coleman and Jerome Clark featured the infield horror in an article entitled Swamp Slobs Invade Illinois. <laughs> mm-hmm. I'm, just, I'm just thinking of the smell right now. No, I thought this was interesting. Oh. Um, years later... Coleman would contrast the infield investigation with another conducted regarding a legendary creature that many assumed was of alien origin, a melon-headed monster known as the Dover Demon. And that's one that I was thinking about for a future episode. It would have to be a smaller episode, but... A mini-creep. Yeah, we've well, talked about doing many episodes. We just haven't decided when and how we're gonna do them. But yeah, hopefully soon we'll have them, and probably maybe two a month, just little ten-minute episodes. But we're getting off topic. What? Never. Uh, he stated that the infield horror was my case investigation. It was much different than the Dover Demon. However, it was more like a combo phantom kangaroo, devil monkey, and swamp ape situation. Other investigators suggested that the monster to be associated with a lot of UFO sightings Mm -hmm. that were seen in the area around the same time. And some people have actually wondered if it wasn't more supernatural because it was trying to get in the house. Mm -hmm. Some people have theorized that it was, or that it had all the classic marks of a demon attack. However, I completely disagree with that based on the knowledge I have of that subject. Which isn't very wide, but I was raised in a very Christian upbringing. I've read the Bible multiple times. The way it describes demons is the way I tend to believe. I don't see the devil as being red with a a tail and horns. So, not Dave Grohl and the Tenacious D movie? It's not Dave Grohl and Tenacious D, although if it was, I'd rock out with him as long as he didn't make me a slave. I just love Dave Grohl. I'm a big Foo Fighters fan. He's pretty talented, not gonna lie. He is. And the fact he's all self-taught. Mad respect. It wouldn't be the last time that there was a connection between it being an extraterrestrial or, like, the occult. Mm -hmm. Primary witnesses 
in the the North Point Devil case mm-hmm. claims uh, creatures have been sulking around the house he shares with his son in West Florida community of Northport that are both of extraterrestrial and demonic origin. In effect, making them, I love this, I, I quoted this directly from uh, Cryptid's Wiki, which I will give my sources later. Um, they put it, it made them, in effect, aliens from hell. There you go. That sounds like a B movie. Maybe even a C movie. <laughs> Next summer, Aliens from Hell. I almost mentioned a director that probably would direct it because I don't think he's ever made a movie that's made money, but I'm not going to because I don't want to be sued. Let's start with a T. No. Oh. But he's made a lot of movies based on video games and they never come out good. And you, if you're familiar with bad movies, you probably know who I'm talking about. I was thinking of The Room, but... No, it's not Tommy Wiseau. <laughs> but it should be noted that in the years of 1941 and 1942, the village of Mount Vernon, which was only about 40 miles away, there was a similar spat of encounters involving a leaping beast that terrorized the local populace. It was reputedly responsible for numerous animal deaths in the region, and eyewitnesses from that area described the Mount Vernon monster as vaguely baboon-like. Hence, there was a, a devil monkey analogy to it. It was able to leap 20 to 40 feet in a single bound. So they think that that might be the same one? Might be. One theory that I saw online is this creature might go into hibernation for 30 years and then pop up. However, that doesn't make sense because there hasn't been a single sighting of this creature for 40 years. Okay, so the first one was in... 73, sorry. Okay, 73, and then the last one was... It was all within a year. Oh. So maybe he goes in hibernation for 50 years, and in a few years was... Maybe, like, every time he goes into hibernation, it's longer? Is that what you're saying? Because the the accounts of the leaping creature was in 41 and 42 nearby, so that would have only been about 30 years. Oh, I see. Some people have also theorized that it was nothing more than a gray kangaroo that had escaped from a zoo or private collector or something, and that, because they do have claws on their feet... Their big tail could be mistaken for a third leg, especially in the dark. They would stand about five foot. And no, also... they're freaking giants. Look at me. They can be. like no. Yeah, they can be. They can be awfully large. But this thing was also described as being large. But they usually have big ears on top of their heads. And I feel like if you saw a kangaroo... And that's why a lot of people don't really fall into this theory but i mean it does have claws they could if it was to step on greg garrett's foot its claws could shred its shoes yeah but it would be if it was jumping against a house its claws could do some damage yeah but also they were talking about the footprints and its tail would not look like a third foot that is true that's just unless it had like a little stamp on the bottom of it you know like it tied something to it to make it look like another foot that's just a theory i heard i thought i'd Put it out there. No, it's, it's good that you do that. You know, I, I will say, I'm a little bit more skeptical of this thing. A lot of the cryptids that I, I do believe is real, we have continuing sightings for years. I mean, Sasquatch, for instance, there's thousands of years of sighting accounts of it. Loch Ness Monster, the same way. There was a tale that goes back like five 600 years about this. I don't know if it still does, but I believe I remember hearing that at one point it did connect to the ocean. So it could be a sea creature that goes in there to give birth. Yeah, and I think that there's a lot of creatures that we just don't know about. Oh, yeah. Because as dense as a lot of forests are, like, even if you, like, set up lights 
and like you like blocked off all escapes. Humans are still, you know, there's human error. Plus, you know, they get tired. They might fall asleep for a little bit. You know, they might be looking at their phone or something instead of paying attention and miss things. Because forests, especially like if they're really thick, it's hard to see and it's hard to find everything possible that's there. And the same with the ocean, especially. There's oh, yeah. a ton of stuff we haven't discovered there. But now, I think it's hard to believe that we've discovered everything on Earth that there is to be. Especially discovered. in the ocean. Yeah. I mean, we have points that are so deep, we don't have really the technology to actually go down. One final thing I wanted to bring out. I didn't write it down in my notes, so I don't have the specifics. But there was a school, I'm thinking it was maybe late 70s, 80s. They actually used this encounter as a psychology study about mass panic and how some of the sightings by the amateur monster hunters could have been actually a known creature that they, due to the panic and hysteria, riled themselves up into thinking it was something more than it really was. Yeah, that's true. And I was kind of wondering about that with McDaniel's guy, Mm -hmm. um, if that was his like thing the second time he saw it on the railroad or whatever if it was something else but he was just like if there was no lights and projecting was he was projecting projecting his memory of the first thing yeah and so I, it could have been like a bear or something and you know i read an article once that talked about how your memories are wrong mm-hmm. because every I think time we talked about this last time i think we time probably before. did i think we did with the mandela effect but when you think about a memory it's always a little different you mm-hmm. tend to embellish a little bit Mm-hmm. And you don't even realize you're doing it. You remember going on a bike ride with your father who has passed away. And then every time you think about it, it's slightly different. It kind of shapes more to what you want to remember, not necessarily what you did remember. Yeah. And I think that that's very possible. His He saw the creature up front, got a few specifics. Second time he saw it, maybe it was a little different. And it, yeah, and it was further away. It, it was further away. So your mind has a lot more room to kind of make things up or fill in the details because our brains will do that. If they see something they don't understand, they're like, oh, I'm going to make this fit what I know, my view of the world. Absolutely. I was a psychology minor in college, by the way. Just so you know. You remind me frequently. It was really interesting. I like psychology. My sources for this. Wikipedia was the first, and the only reason I really included it, because I didn't get much of my information from there. It's because I would yell at you if you left out any of your sources? No. Because I would. Because I didn't actually read the Wikipedia page for any of my research for this. I just, there's a podcast that I listen to, it's called The Paranormal Punchers. Oh, you love them. I love that podcast. I've probably listened to every episode at least twice. I actually started re-listening again. Yeah. And the first time I listened to their episode on the Enfield Horror, that's when I first discovered what it was. Mm -hmm. And I can remember I looked up the Wikipedia page and read what little it had about it. Mm -hmm. And so I'm putting that in my sources because that was, that and the Paranormal Punchers was my first real introduction to this. They can't see your finger guns, you know. And I guarantee they don't listen to this podcast to hear me talk about your finger guns. You don't know that. (laughs) okay but my other sources include cryptozoology cryptids.com cryptids.com the villager's voice the paranormal scholar cool and there was a youtube video that i didn't really listen to but or i listened to it but i didn't really write it down because they pretty much just read the cryptids wiki (laughs) verbatim i hate when i think i find a new article when i'm researching and it's literally just Copy paste or something else. Any of the the Wikipedia type 
places. You, you tend to run into that. I think it, it's mostly because most of the content is user-created. Mm-hmm. And while some articles, I do recognize the writings of different cryptozoologists. Sometimes I can tell that it's been copied and altered just slightly. So we have still nine countries, which still is amazing. It, it definitely is. we have now 18 states, which is great. So I'm thank happy you. about that. Thank you so much. You guys are awesome. Keep sharing us with your friends. Yeah, and we are available on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Anchor, Breaker, Overcast, Pocket Cast, Radio Public, CastBox... I'm currently uploading all of our episodes to YouTube whoop, whoop. for people that want to listen that way. Like if you're at work, because I've had jobs where I couldn't actually like listen to anything on my phone, but I could plug headphones into the computer I was working at and have YouTube running in the background. Mm-hmm. And we're working on getting on Stitcher and Podbean. Yeah, so that should be in the next week or so, probably. Yeah, so we um, have plenty of different sites you can listen on. So, so listen to us, or we'll fight you. That's her words, not mine. <laughs> You won't even hear that if you aren't listening, so what's the point? But also, still at three reviews on iTunes, so let's get some more of those. So we'll do a bonus episode whenever we get to ten. And please join our Facebook group. Yeah, usually this week we've been a little quiet, but usually we yeah. have more stuff. It's just been a busy week. It's a, a private Facebook group, but there's we don't really have any questions, just... Just add, and one of our admins will add you. Not me, because I hate everyone. Just we are kidding. trying to, to get it public, to get make it more welcoming, and it wouldn't let us. Cool. So, but yeah, just send us a request. We'll go ahead and add you. Might be right away. Also, we have Twitter, because it's still pretty new, but I run that. So if you want to chat with me, contact there, I guess, question mark. And what's our handle? Creepy Life Pod. We're also on Instagram, at creepy underscore life underscore podcast on Instagram. No, not creepy podcast. Not creepy podcast. That's a good podcast too. Just but, saying. But I we're we're the creepy long. life podcast because life is creepy sometimes. Especially me. Especially Sparky. I'm Brainy from Hey Arnold. Just stand behind you and breathe really loudly. Okay, well that's about all I have for this week. I'm going to, I think I've decided what I'm going to do next week, and it's going to be a big one, so I probably need to start researching as soon as I finish editing. Is there any type of hint you can give us? It has to do with my hometown. Really? Mm-hmm. Okay, then. It's going to be a hometown story. So, I don't know if I'm going to do that one for sure, just because it's one that's probably going to take a lot of research, and I want to make sure I do it right, but... I have one like that from my hometown. Yeah, and that one's pretty controversial too. it's a very controversial topic and a lot of the people involved both that come out of the story looking good and looking bad i know personally yeah some of them not all of them mine takes place in the middle of the civil war so mine takes place <laughs> the year i was born oh boy yeah you were born in the civil war i totally was obviously anyway are we putting our new theme in this one we are putting our new theme in this one hope you like it I did it because I liked the other one, but when we first started, we weren't planning on having like a joking element to it. But there's no category like that really fit. There's true crime or comedy. It's like, eh, it's not all true crime, so. We have true stories and we have comedy. So we just went with At least comedy. we have our dumb version of comedy. So I got some real Zelda vibes while I was doing it, but hope you enjoy it, man. Well, anyway. Yeah. Thank you for listening. Always. Thank you guys so much for listening. If you like us, tell your friends. Tell your friends. Stay creepy.